0: evening all how are we all this evening saturday night beautiful day what better place to be than together worshiping the lord sorry we're a few seconds behind we got involved in a conversation in there just before just before we were due to come out why don't we pray and just commit this time to the lord father we just thank you for your goodness We just thank you that you're with us. We just ask that as we worship you together today, you might be glorified and we might be encouraged. We ask that now in Jesus' name. Get you to stand let's sing our first song. One, two, three, four, one.
1: new the ocean loving kindness as the flood when the prince of life our answer shed for us his precious blood Guilty world in love Here is love blessed as the ocean Loving kindness as the flood
0: straight into communion. Um, I love that song. I don't know if you know that that song, that was the song of the Welsh revival in 1904. So it's interesting, isn't it? Whenever there's a move of God, there's always new songs. New songs um, always get written and sung. And um, quite often there's one song that sums up the whole event quite often happens anyway I was thinking about that song and how the word and the concept love has become so devalued in our culture Um, you don't have to watch much tv or much movies to realize that we probably have very different idea of love Um, I was reminded of the words of a song by the singer and songwriter Bob Dylan he's got a song where he says you don't want a love that's pure you want a drowned love you want a watered down love the song's called watered down love and um I thought that's a really good description that's a really good description of what's happened it's a diluted so love can mean anything from you know being nice to someone being sentimental any of those kind of things but that's not what the love of God is like so as we um As we reflect before communion, I want to read you something about the love of God, which is completely different to that. In fact, you could say the exact opposite. So I'm just going to read a little bit from Psalm 103. Read this before, but um, that was to talk about something else. So just reading verses one through to five. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So it's that part in verse 4. Who crowns you with steadfast love. Steadfast not a word that comes up all that often, but it's that idea of consistency, consistency, um, it's that idea of strength, it's that idea of loyalty and faithfulness. So the love of God is a steadfast love. It's a good way to think about it, and it's the exact opposite of something that's been watered down. Um, if we were to quote the New Testament, we might read that little bit from Corinthians, which is often quoted at weddings, but it talks about the fact that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Strong, it's strong. So as we break bread together, can I uh, invite you to take a moment to confess your sins, if there's things that God's talking to you about. But then let's focus on the steadfast love of God, what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to get the guys at the front to come up, uh, first five rows or so, and we'll just do the normal thing. don't mind taking the bread and the cup back to your chair we'll take them together in a moment as a sign of our unity if you're visiting today you're not sure what all this means then we would just ask you to hold off on this part and be more than happy to talk about that afterwards if you like to know I think everyone's been served on it we take um let's just pray together before we take the bread Father we want to praise you for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus you're the one who forgives iniquities heals diseases and rescues our life from the pit That's a strong love let's take the bread I want to praise you that it's not a watered-down love. There's nothing diluted or weak or meaningless in the things that you do. So we praise you again. Let's take the cup. Get to stand. Let's sing another song.
1: thou precious prince of peace hear your bride to you we sing come thou found of our blessing oh to grace how great a debt lately i My heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Come, thou found, come, thou king, come, thou precious prince of peace, hear your bride to you. We sing, come, thou found, of our blessing.
0: Say hi to someone and take a seat.
2: Good evening. Those of you that are regular attenders here know that we are working through um, the attributes of God in Scripture this year, and we each month memorise a verse. This month we're focusing on Revelation 4.11, so if you can all remember it, would you like to recite it with me? Revelation 4.11 You are worthy, our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being." Thank you. The Subi kids can go out to their classes now. A big welcome to everyone. My name's Rowan, I serve on the Elder Board here at Subi. Uh, if you'll notice on the chairs around you, there'll be Connect cards or there's a QR code on the seats in front of you. If you can scan that, that will take you to an online version. But uh, for those of you who are regular, please fill in the Connect card just to let us know you've been here. If you're new, let us know that you're new to Subi, and someone from the pastoral team can contact you. If you want to put in any questions, prayer requests, any uh, questions about Subi Church or sign up for any of the the, uh, events coming up please also use that for your connect card. We come to a time of offering, there are a couple of ways we can do an offering. There are forms to set up direct debits in the entrance there um, and you can have that come straight out of your bank account on a regular occasion and also if you'd rather Do it the traditional way there are envelopes at the entrance there that you can also use to physically make an offering to the the church it's an important part of our worship here um, and we'd like to pray for the offering our lord we thank you that we can give back out of the abundance that you have blessed us with but also because it is part of our worship And we pray that we can worship you through giving to support the ministries here, to keep the church running, to pay the staff, to pay the bills, electricity and everything like that. But also because, Lord, you have given us a great commission to take the gospel into the world. And we pray that you can also use this to support many of the missionaries that our church supports throughout the world in carrying out that great commission. We thank you for this offering and we thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this way. Amen. We have an upcoming event, one event mainly, that is the 125th anniversary of the church. There are many churches around this area that have gone by the wayside, but God has blessed us and we are still here and going strong after 125 years. Next Saturday, we have have no service here. Uh, but we have the anniversary celebration dinner um, and we're looking forward to celebrating god both on the saturday and the sunday um, so just a reminder: there's no saturday service but there is a dinner here at 5 30 and also there will be a prayer walk uh, a few of us will be meeting here at 5 p.m and then walking around the local area praying between 5 and 5 p.m so we do encourage you to meet here and and join the prayer walk before the saturday service the, the saturday meal um, our services on sunday will be running as normal the 9am um, and ten forty-five am services um, but these will be a celebration of the church for the whole families. So there will be no children's classes next sunday we come to a time of congregational prayer so can i ask you all please to pray with me Our Father in heaven, we remember the words of Psalm 95, calling the people of God to sing for joy to you and to come before you with thanksgiving. You are the great God, the great King above all gods. The whole world belongs to you. In fact, all of creation sings the praises to your glory. You are our God, and we bow down in worship to you. Despite our sinfulness, Lord, you have loved us in Christ. In view of your mercy, we repent of our sins, sins that we intended and sins that we did not intend. In our sinfulness, we have not loved you nor loved each other as we should have. Yet in your grace, you sent Jesus to love us and pour out your grace on us. We praise you that we are now your children, able to approach you in our prayers and confident that we... That you hear us when we call you. We thank you for the book of Romans and we praise you for your faithfulness shown to Paul and his heart for the gospel throughout his life. Throughout the book of Romans, you have revealed to us glorious truths of the gospel message through Paul, and we are forever blessed by them. As we come to the end of the book of Romans, like Paul, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ partners gathered in the gospel help us to live a life of worship in love to our brothers and sisters in Christ help each of us in our mission to make the gospel known throughout the world give us boldness to preach Christ courage to stand firm in our convictions and the faith to trust you in your sovereignty in salvation we pray for your spirit to work through pastor David as he preaches your word today convict us of any sins through your scripture and comfort us with the gospel promise once more. May our affections for Christ increase as we hear from you. And so Father in heaven we bring these prayer requests of ours before you. We praise you that you hear our prayers as our heavenly Father. and We thank you that you that we can boldly approach you all because of what Christ has done for us. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.
3: Good evening. <laughs> uh, the reading today comes from Romans chapter sixteen. Personal greetings. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. (coughs) Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend, Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend, Stachys. Greet apelles whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodin, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me too? Greet Asyncretus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerius and his sister and Olympus and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sospiter, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus send you their greetings. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever, through Jesus Christ. Amen.
4: Paul's letter to the Romans. It's one of the longest and most significant things ever written by the man who was formerly known as Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jewish rabbi belonging to a group known as the Pharisees, and he was passionate and devout to the Torah of Moses and the traditions of Israel. And he saw Jesus and his followers as a threat. But then he had a radical encounter with the risen Jesus who commissioned him as an apostle, like an official representative, to the world of non-Jewish people called Gentiles in the Bible. And so he started going by his Roman name, Paul, and he traveled all around the ancient Roman Empire telling people about the risen King Jesus and forming his followers then into these new communities called churches. And Paul would occasionally write letters to these new Jesus communities to help them foster their faith or answer questions. And the book of Romans is one of these. It was actually written quite late in his career. Now, we know from the book of Acts that the church in Rome had existed for some time, that it was made up of Jewish and non-Jewish followers of Jesus. But at one point, the Roman Emperor Claudius had expelled all of the Jewish people from Rome. And then about five years later, all of those Jews, including Jesus following Jews, were allowed to return. And when they did, they found a church that had become very non-Jewish in custom and practice. And so this created lots of tension. So that by Paul's day, the Roman church was divided. People disagreed about how to follow Jesus. They were debating about whether non-Jewish Christians should celebrate the Sabbath, or eat kosher. be circumcised. And so Paul wrote this letter to accomplish a few things. He wanted this divided church to become unified and for a practical purpose. He was hoping that the Roman church could become a staging ground for his mission to go even further west all the way to Spain. And so these circumstances are what motivated Paul to write out his fullest explanation of the gospel, the good news that he was announcing about Jesus' life, death and resurrection.
5: Good evening, church. Great to see you this evening. For those watching online, great that you could join us. Uh, We have come to our last sermon in the Book of Romans, uh, and uh, I hope that our time this evening is a blessed one. There was a a survey in the US, and the survey asked over 2,000 people, does the sun revolve around the earth or does the Earth revolve around the Sun?
3: Uh,
5: What would your answer be? Well, one in four got the answer wrong. Now, either one in four Americans just hate surveys, so they deliberately gave the wrong answer, or they weren't paying attention in science class. But for most of human existence, astronomers did think that the Sun went around The Earth, right? Uh, This is uh, uh, the Mars, is in the red, uh, and so this model didn't account for the fact that Mars had this strange, strange orbit. Now, because it was believed that the Earth was stationary and didn't rotate on its axis, it made perfect sense of what you and I observe. The sun rises in the east, it travels across the sky, it sets in the west. Predictably every 24 hours. But again, it didn't account for this strange uh, orbit of Mars. Then in 1543, a Polish astronomer turned the world on its head. And this astronomer put the sun at the centre of of proceedings and the Earth in motion around it, uh, and it also made sense of the orbit of Mars. Now that's not to scale. Uh, I didn't have, probably didn't have to tell you that. Now the name of the astronomer was Copernicus. Copernicus that's right, Nicholas Copernicus, and. Uh, Because gravity wasn't understood for another century, it did leave some questions unresolved, like how is it possible for Earth to rotate on its axis, but yet it didn't throw all its objects, including humans, off its surface? But what Copernicus proposed was eventually proven. And it was nothing short of a revolution. Uh, a Copernican revolution, a paradigm shift in thinking. The earth was not the centre. The sun was the centre. Now, enough with the science history, but yes, we come to our last sermon in the book of Romans and we've been studying for this this book for most of the year uh, and we've seen that in it Paul writes the fullest explanation of the gospel. And as you've read through Romans, you would have heard this word, gospel, gospel, gospel. The gospel is the momentous news that God's kingdom has arrived through his son, Jesus Christ. And God opens his kingdom to sinners like you and me. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is God's promised king who will reign forever forever demonstrated by his resurrection from the dead, because only a king who has conquered death can reign forever. But what this gospel means is that I am not the centre of the universe. You are not the centre of the universe. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am not the centre of the universe. (laughs) Did that come as a surprise to the person who received that news? No, the gospel means that Jesus, the Son, is the center of the universe. The world doesn't revolve around me. The world doesn't revolve around you. As we've seen in the book of Romans, the world revolves around the Son, the Son of God. And so every human must undergo a Copernican revolution. In their thinking and in their allegiances. Jesus is not to occupy a remote outpost in our lives. Jesus the Son is to occupy the centre of our lives. Now, it doesn't matter much if you were not paying attention in science class and you missed the fact that the Sun is the centre of. The solar system right you might get a survey wrong but not much comes as a result but it does matter it matters eternally whether you miss that Jesus is to occupy the center of your life that matters and so Paul writes Romans to humble his readers in three ways to humble them with the gospel so that they would respond in three ways So the gospel humbles us, us, one, to the obedience of faith. Have a look with me in verse 25. My gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, to bring about the obedience of faith. See, the gospel is momentous news that has an inbuilt summons. Jesus is saviour, throw yourself on his mercy. Jesus is Lord, shift your allegiance to Him so that your life looks very different from before you submitted to Jesus as Lord. The promise of salvation is not extended to those who do not submit to Jesus as their Lord. You can't have Jesus as your Savior without submitting to Jesus as your Lord. You cannot believe in a half Christ. The Lord will not divide His offices. He is savior, and He is Lord. Ivan the Great was the leader of Russia in the 15th century. Uh, and what Putin is doing now to the Ukraine, Ivan the Great did to neighboring countries in the 15th century. right He dispossessed the neighboring countries of their land in order for the Russian Empire to expand. Not much has changed in Russia. But today, Putin uses missiles and tanks and drones. Ivan the Great used the sword. Now, Ivan's first wife died. He didn't kill her, but he did kill his son. And for political expediency, he decided that he would marry the niece of the, the empire of the East, the Greek empire, the Byzantine empire. But for him to do so, he had to first become a Greek Orthodox and he had to be baptised as a Greek Orthodox. And surprisingly, he agreed to that and he was instructed in Orthodox doctrine. But as Ivan was being immersed in the waters of baptism, imagine him going down, he reaches for his sword and he holds his sword, his fighting hand above his head, I haven't got a photo of the actual occasion, but he held his hand above his head and he refused to have his fighting hand and his sword baptised. He refused to submit to the Lord with his fighting hand. Now, the precise details of this story uh, may well be apocryphal, but it makes a great point, doesn't it? Christ does not become anyone's saviour Until that person receives him for who he really is, and that is Lord of all. Is there an area of your life that you have not submitted to the Lord? Is there an area of your life that you refuse to be baptized? Perhaps it's your wallet that you're holding above the water. Perhaps it's your thought life. Perhaps it's your temper. Give it to him today. Submit your whole self to the Lord in in the obedience of faith. Have a look with me in verse 17. Chapter 16, verse 17. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you've learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Paul gives a stern warning here, doesn't he, against false teachers who teach what is contrary to the gospel. That They, they are divisive. They are, their aim is to deceive. See, Christianity, as we know, it's based on true teaching. And so the greatest threat to Christianity is false teaching and false teachers. Our greatest threat is not not from outside the church. Our greatest threat is from inside the church. We will survive persecution from the outside. The greatest threat to Christianity is false teaching from the inside of the church. That's why Paul is such a stern warning. Today, false teachers, they may say things like this. Well, they do say things like this. In the Bible, some of the things that God was supposed to have said and done are not acceptable in our age, and some of the sins that were unacceptable in the Bible are acceptable today. You would have heard that. Now, our society's preoccupation with tolerance means as Christians we're often urged to toe the line and to see alternative views as valid. But Paul's approach could not be more different, could it? Paul says... Keep away from them. The truths and the consequences of the gospel mean that the stakes are too high for us to dabble in what is, by definition, evil. We are to obey the apostolic gospel and the apostolic gospel alone. Secondly, the gospel humbles us to be on mission outside the church. Have a look with me in chapter 15, verse 19. From Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. So the Apostle Paul was given the task by God to be the apostle, which means sent one. The apostle to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish world, which is most of the world. And his task was to go into virgin territories, unreached areas, with the gospel. But Paul has reached an important turning point in his ministry as he writes this letter. An important turning point. He's now fulfilled the gospel right, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. Uh, And so in an arc around the eastern and northern parts of the Mediterranean. And uh, he has made it possible for all those in these areas to be within earshot of gospel proclamation through the churches that he's planted. But his task of pioneer work meant that he, even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles, he hadn't yet been to Rome, which was the capital of the Gentiles. Because Rome was not virgin territory. It already had established churches there. Someone else has laid the foundation, likely another apostolic leader, and most probably the Apostle Peter, who according to early church evidence made his way to Rome in the 50s. And he goes on and he says in verse 23, But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now Paul was not content on just fulfilling the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum. He wanted to go all the way over to the western extremity of the Gentile world to Spain, the other side of the Mediterranean. Spain back then was not a great tourist destination like it is today or a place of culture. It was a backwater. But he wanted to go to Spain to take the gospel to those who had not heard it. And Paul hopes the Romans are going to assist him in his mission. But he knows that in order for the church in Rome, who he hasn't met, in order for them to be a a gospel-eager partnership church, they had to... They had to share his passion for the gospel. So Paul writes this letter to the churches in Rome so they will understand the gravity of the gospel before he arrives. We have seen the gravity of the gospel, haven't we? And if you haven't, uh, read it again. We have seen the gravity of the gospel. We've seen it. And you can summarize the the gospel in the book of Romans, all right? none are righteous no not one all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord but God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved that is the gospel Uh, that's often called the Roman's road, which is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the book of Romans. You can, all right, that is the gospel found in the, in the book of Romans. It is, it is a gospel that needs to be hear, heard by every single person on the planet. And so Paul writes to the church that, that, so that they will get behind his mission and they will partner him to take these truths to the, to the ends of the globe. Now, a number of those in the church in Rome had already been partnering with Paul. We heard that in our Bible reading, which was very well read. Michelle, I've got to say, there's some very difficult names there. Paul, you notice that all those names that he, that he lists there in chapter 16. His co-workers in the gospel. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe the benefactor of many people, including me. She was likely a wealthy patron who used her wealth in the service of missionaries like Paul who needed support. Right? We have wealthy patrons in our church who do that. Verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Greet Mary who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. My dear friend stachus my dear friend is beloved. He has such affection for his co-workers. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord, Greet my dear friend, beloved Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Do you get the thing? They're working very hard in the Lord. They They go to prison. They risk their lives for the gospel. And as you look through that list, Paul's gospel workers are, they're Jews, they're Gentiles, they're men, they're women, they're free citizens, they're former slaves. They're all sorts of different people. And Paul commends them. What does he commend them for? Their work in the Lord. They work hard in the Lord. They work very hard in the Lord. Now, all work that Christians engage in is work. The Bible says it's work for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. But notice, Paul commends them for their work in the Lord. Work in the Lord... gospel work he's commending them for gospel work now all work matters to God your work matters to God whether your work is building bridges whether it's retail whether it is cleaning toilets God is loving his world through your work your work matters to God even if the work even if the fruit of your work does not last into eternity Not everything needs to be eternal in order for it to be important. Marriage, for example, doesn't last beyond death, but it is incredibly important to God. But of all the work that you can give your energy to, gospel work is unique because it has eternal consequences, right? Working hard in the Lord will never perish, it will never spoil, it will never fade. He's not just talking about, Full time pastors. No, he's talking about all those that work hard in the Lord. They bear fruit, eternal fruit. And I want to commend our gospel partners here at SUBI Church who work hard in the Lord, in our outreach ministries, right? Our community coffee morning, our English as a second language classes, Wandana, which is a ministry to the flats at the end of Bagot Road to Art Seeds, to Cafe Melody, to our Street Evangelism team, to our Awana team, to our Christianity Explored classes. I want to commend those who work hard in the Lord in in your private lives, trying to reach your family and friends and neighbours. But Paul wants everyone in the church to give themselves to the work in the Lord. It's hard to read the book of Romans, don't you think, without being convicted of this. And I think if you haven't been convicted of this, please read it again. I came across this quote during the week, which kind of really hit me in the guts. It says this, it's from Spurgeon. Have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you're not saved yourself. Be sure of that. So as we read Romans, and the purpose that Paul writes it is that we are to... To feel the same sense of compulsion as he did. That that same sense of compulsion that drove him onwards to preaching the gospel to the nations. And we're to play our part, whether it's giving or going or praying. Now each of us are going to have a different role. But all of us are to labour hard in the Lord. Again and again, we we read, she labours hard in the Lord. He labours hard in the Lord. What can you do? Well, a great way to start is pray for our missionaries, pray for our outreach ministries. It's really easy here at Suby Church because we have this beautiful brochure which you can get on the way out uh, which has all our ministries listed on it. Grab it, pray through it. Uh, Be in contact with our missionaries. They love to hear from us. That is a really tangible way of building into the work of the Lord. Give to mission organisations like OMF, Overseas Missions Fellowship, Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Give to that. We support that here at the church. Come to our prayer meetings before church services up in the boardroom. These are ways that you can work hard in the Lord. And thirdly, the gospel humbles us to be united inside the church. Before going to Spain, Paul has an important stop to make. Did you pick that up? You picked it up last week, I think, in our Bible reading. Have a look with me in chapter 15, verse 25. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there, for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Now it's not easy for us in the 21st century to appreciate the huge gulf that, were, that separated Jews and Gentiles in the 1st century. In the 1st century, the Jews and the Gentiles hated each other as much as the Israelis and the Palestinians do today. Right? They hated each other. You know, they're at war with each other. The Jews exulted in the fact that they were the chosen people of God. And so they thought they were morally superior. They thought they were ethnically superior than those around them. In their eyes, uh, Gentiles were dirty outcasts who worshipped false gods and engaged in all sorts of degrading sins. And so to eat with a Gentile was considered intolerable. It would render a Jew unclean. You couldn't enter a Gentile house. You couldn't handle things that belonged to Gentiles. And conversion to Christ did not immediately sweep away the prejudices that these two groups had towards each other. And so Paul writes to the Romans explaining the gospel so that they would be humbled by the gospel and so that they would overcome their divisions and that they would be united. See, God's plan before the beginning of time was to bring Jews and Gentiles together under one king, Jesus Christ. This was not an add-on to the gospel, it was fundamental to the gospel. And so for our church, only if we are deeply soaked in the gospel, that we are sinners saved by grace, only when we're soaked in that will we go out of our way to love people unlike us and to be united with them. Because only the gospel humbles us to the ground so that human pride ceases to divide. It's the gospel that does that. When I I understand I'm a sinner saved by grace, and my pride is just humbled to the ground. Now around the middle of the first century, there was a great famine in Israel. uh, And the Jewish Christians were suffering greatly. So... Extensive famine. And so Paul decides that he is going to raise money for a relief gift. And and you see see this thing, it's called the collection, you read about in a number of his letters. The, the, The Jewish Christians are suffering. Who is going to help? And the Gentile Christians, mostly from Macedonia, Galatia, transformed by the gospel, they start to give generously, generous financial contributions to their Jewish brothers and sisters. So, and Paul has collected the money from all the, the giving churches and he's transporting it to Jerusalem. Probably, I don't know if he did it in a wheelbarrow like that, but it wasn't easy to transport money across the Mediterranean in that time, right? You couldn't get a bank check. You couldn't like, get on the internet and transfer funds. You had to carry it physically Across the Mediterranean. And we see uh, in Paul's other letters that he organizes representatives from each of the giving churches, from the Gentile churches, to accompany the the, the collection so that it gets to their Jewish brothers and sisters. And this collection was incredibly important to Paul. He writes about it a number of times and he clearly regards it as, as of comparable importance to going and sharing the gospel in Spain. So, being united within the church was as important for him as going and telling uh, new people about Christ. For Paul, the Gentiles have an obligation to their Jewish brothers and sisters to share with them generously, materially, in return for the spiritual blessings that they have received from the Jews, they have inherited from the Jews. And the, Jewish, the Gentiles' willingness to be generous to their Jewish brothers and sisters, it's a sign of the power of the gospel. Two groups of people that hated each other, now the Gentiles are giving of themselves. And we read in the other letters that they gave beyond what they could give. They somehow were—they gave sacrificially to care for their brothers and sisters. It's the power of the gospel that crosses divides of race and sex and age and class. And we, we here in Subi Church, we owe it to Christians across the globe who are under persecution, who are in distress, who are in trouble. We owe it to them. This is not an optional extra. This is part of our response to the gospel. And I know many of us in this church, many of you are very generous. But... It's important to keep revising your own giving you know every six months every twelve months you go through and say oh actually I've had a pay rise perhaps I could possibly give more or I'm wasting my money on this perhaps I could channel that into gospel funding now this is not an optional extra I remember the, the time in my life when I realized hang on this is not an optional extra this is part of what it is to be a Christian all right God God doesn't need our money, but he partners with us in the gospel to see the gospel advance. He uses our money. That's one of the ways that he does so that we can fund gospel ministries across the globe. And so there are a number. Sometimes you think, well, but who do I give to? You know, okay, who do I give to? Well, let me give you four examples of great gospel aid organizations. Christian Blind Mission. Open Doors, which you've heard about. Compassion global aid network which is the aid arm of power to change this is not an optional extra so we've come to the end of our time in Romans and I hope that you will continue to read Romans it's not something that you read once and put down only a church deeply soaked in the gospel Only a Christian deeply soaked in the gospel is willing to be on mission outside the church and is willing to love those who are different to them inside the church. Yeah? Only the gospel humbles our pride to the ground. We are sinners saved by grace. And as we are humbled to the ground, we will cease to cause divisions and we will cease to be a club but we will reach out to a needy world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the book of Romans. And thank you that you've given us an opportunity to go from beginning to end. And we thank you for Paul's drive. We thank you for his compulsion to preach the gospel to give up his very life for it. We thank you for his co-workers, those who worked hard in the Lord, those who were willing to go to jail with Paul, those who risked their lives with Paul. And we pray, Lord, as a a church, we would be sold out for the momentous news of Jesus Christ, that the Son of God would be at the centre of our lives, that he would be at the centre of our universe, And we pray, Lord, that the gospel would continue to humble us to the ground in all areas of our lives. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. We choose to live for you. And I pray, Lord God, that we as a church, humbled by your gospel, would reach out outside the church and love those different to us Inside the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Sing. Stand and sing our last song.
1: Hail Him as Thy matchless King through all eternity.
2: Many of you have been asking about the. Transition, oh, sorry, yes, please take a seat. (laughs) Um, Yes, um, the transition process um, has been on people's minds. In fact, Lili asked me on the way in tonight, um, how is that transition process going for Pastor David and Pastor Chin? As part of the Elder Board, I want to bring you up to speed and confirm our initial commitment from earlier this year when we temporarily halted the search Process for a senior pastor. We committed to give Chin and David a dedicated span of time for their growth and development in their roles as pastors. This included ensuring that they have access to external monitoring, uh, sorry, mentoring from seasoned mentors along with the internal support of an interim executive pastor. Although our original time frame was set for six months for this development. It has taken us a bit longer than expected to put in place this mentoring process. Rest assured, we are still in the midst of this journey. The elders recently had a number of meetings together and with the ministry team, the elder board has decided that the role of interim executive pastor has served its function and will no longer be needed. As such, Peter Wiesk will be stepping down from that role on the 15th of September. In the coming weeks, Pastor David and Pastor Chin will continue to share the preaching at Subway Church and they will take on some of the responsibilities of the interim executive role <coughs> with the help on, and support of the ministry team. As many of you are aware, we've also been searching and praying for someone to take up the role of youth and young adult pastor since June this year. The youth, adults, the youth and young adults are an integral part of our family here at Subi Church, so please continue to pray for, pray to God for this area. <clears throat> please also pray that God will bring us the right person for this position. At present, Peter Weisk will remain as leading the youth ministry on a part-time basis. Pastor Chin also has an announcement
6: he'd like to make. Thank you, everyone Why I am... Oh, this is loud... I am announcing that I will be stepping down for my position as pastor of Sui Church in the coming months after many discussions and much prayer. It is with a very, very heavy heart that I made this decision, but as the months go by, something that I felt needed to be made, and I understand that this decision may come as a surprise for many of you, but this decision was many months in the making, and I have done all that I can to... Serve Subi Church in this season of transition, but the time is right for me to really step away. Um, I've been part of Subi Church since 2005, and I have had the wonderful privilege of being your pastor for the last 10 years. It has been my greatest joy, uh, greatest blessing to serve with a wonderful, wonderful ministry team during this time, and you know our memories of serving together will forever be with me. I have loved being your pastor, And I have loved serving each one of you. However, as much as I have loved you, I do know that there is someone who loves Subi Church infinitely more. The God that we worship each weekend together loves all of you infinitely more than I ever could in Christ. And that is why we are going to celebrate God's faithfulness next weekend. He has been faithful to Subi Church for the past 125 years. And... In this time of uncertainty, it is vital that as God's people, we continue to look to God, our unchanging, immutable God who has loved us in Christ. The plan for my last weekend at Subi Church will be on the 11th and 12th of November this year. And until then, I will be, still be serving as your pastor. And I have been uh, exploring a possible ministry opportunity at another church, but there is nothing set in stone just yet. So please continue praying for me praying for my family as we seek where God is bringing and leading us. I'll be around after the service. Feel free to come and speak to me uh, after that.
2: As you can imagine, with that sad news, the elders have a lot to discuss. We're currently deep in discussions about the future leadership of the church, and we'll have something to share with you by the time of the AGM in November. In the meantime, I'll be making myself available one day a week at church to assist in this transition. And as Chin mentioned, please continue to pray for the elders and ask God for wisdom and guidance for us eldership as we discuss the future of Subi Church. The elders will be around after the service if you have any questions, and we'll be more than happy to chat with you. I'd like to just depart from the announcement here to just personally thank Chin for all the, the work he's done over the years, I've, I've grown so much by his teaching and um, I work well with Chin and, and love him and uh, will be very sad to see him go. Chin, <laughs> can you please close our time with a benediction?
6: My pleasure, please stand. Let me end with this benediction. May God the Father who has loved us infinitely, deeply throughout the last 125 years as a church, shown to us in the death and resurrection of Christ, may He continue to strengthen us and comfort us by the presence of His Spirit into the future. To our trying God be all glory forever. Amen.